Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Wednesday, also known as Hump Day. Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, joining me, Austin Ward, for one of the most exciting conversations that you can ever have about interior offensive line play. Bill, <laughs> the stage is yours, my friend. I, I was, I was, I did not ask you guys before we started recording. I was uncertain whether or not we were going to break it up like I did and and have oh, we are. discussions about interior offensive line and the tackles. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if the people are ready for a 15 minute conversation only about the interior offensive line. Oh, they're well, ready. To, to be fair, we're going to start by asking you what your favorite Reba McIntyre song is because fancy. that shirt is banging. Thank you. It's uh, fancy. Yeah. Fancy. Uh, really? Yeah. Interesting. There are so many great ones. Like, is there life out there? <laughs> classic. Classic. He didn't Midnight. even hesitate. He fired yeah, off fancy like before the question was even done. I know. That's like a is, is that's like the standard answer to like your Garth Brooks song and just going straight to call that and Rouge. You know, it's like it's a classic. No one's gonna argue it. But what's your favorite Garth Brooks song? Uh Call Baton Rouge. No, just kidding. Um man. He's been on a real Garth hating kick lately, by the way. I'm not on a Garth hating no. kick. I just don't understand why he whispers so much when he talks on his <laughs> Sirius XM channel. It's weird to me. But um uh, I don't have a favorite Garth Brooks song. There's too many good ones. I celebrate the guy's entire collection. The correct answer is that summer. It's up there. Yeah. I'm not going to deny that it's a great song, but they're all great songs. Yeah, they're pretty great. Do you know that that like, song is about sex? Wow. It sure is. It, it also might be about a crime, <laughs> <laughs> depending depending on how old Garth is in that song. We don't know, and we never asked. But anyway... Yeah. Some things are better left unanswered, yeah, but we, we, we do have out, questions. We took this in a weird direction. Do have questions about center and guard. And I would say, so Bill wrote about this. He did break that up at ohiostate.rivals.com. You can make those three positions as intriguing as you want, or it might just be as straightforward as it looks or could be. Uh, where do you come yeah. down on that, Bill? Uh, right in the middle. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, like the the returning guards in Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson are obviously that stabilizes things anytime you can return starters, but like in the context of the rest of the offensive line, having those two back, and then if you're going to break up the conversation, like it is a it is a vastly different conversation having two guys back who I, I think I had it in the story I can't remember off the top of my head. It's like uh, I don't know almost thirty starts and like twenty five hundred snaps, more than twenty five hundred snaps between the two of them. Much of that Matthew Jones because he's been around since like two thousand four. He's a very old college football player, but um, those two guys make make a big difference. So, uh, but then the, the center in between them is like, I don't know. It's like a total mixed bag. Like, I, I think coming out of the spring, you feel pretty good about Carson Hinsman, but as we've said uh, countless times, like Jacob James is, has not yet been in that fight yet. And then you have like Vic Cutler, who I don't know what to make of him. So it's it's an odd thing to have such known commodities at guard and then have a total question mark in between them at center but in an odd way you still feel pretty good about the the trio because of i guess what's lining up next to them outside of tackle is totally unproven i think it's interesting with a guy like matthew jones who's one of two players that are still on the roster i believe that were um, from urban meyer's final recruiting class at ohio state the 2018 class and, and he's been there a long time but i don't think and as many snaps as he and donovan jackson have played i don't think that they're beyond um like 
speculation about like have they done enough have they been as good as they need to be to prove or to be in the position where like you know they're locked in in the starters obviously those are the starters but neither one of them have been like dominant all season long last year and heading into this year to feel like super good about it obviously matthew jones has had the the injury issue that kind of hampered him all last year Donovan jackson had the crisis of confidence i think midway through the 2022 season so both those guys have things to prove as well but they are certainly the most stable part of the offensive line conversation especially when you consider that center is i think a very unsettled position um and then you have guys like enoch vamahi who you're like man that guy has been there a long time too and you want to give credit to him for for doing what people don't normally do anymore which is stay in a place for four years even though you're not the starter even though you're not the guy that's lined up to be the starter um you know for a kid from hawaii to come all the way to columbus and never be entrenched as a starter and stay for four or five seasons is, is pretty rare I think that's a pretty good point about Donovan Jackson and, and Matthew Jones there, Berm. I think if you can take the clown cleat off of Matthew Jones' foot, which he wore all year, like even going into the opener, you know, I asked him about it because like it looked like it was two sizes too big. He's like, well, I'm just more comfortable with it this way. Like that injury really plagued him all year. It's a tribute to him that he was able to keep going as long as he did. Uh, and then looked pretty healthy throughout spring camp. I don't feel like he needed to take every rep and Donovan Jackson definitely didn't need to. And that was really why I wrote about him last week and why we had the spring MVP conversation a couple of weeks ago about him. Like we can say that he had a little bit of struggles in the second half of last year, especially after the missed assignment against Iowa that led to the touchdown uh, on the forced fumble. But his value relative to the rest of that offensive line seemed pretty clear every time he wasn't on the field. It's hard sometimes to, Say, well, this guy, this interior lineman is making a major impact when he's on the field on a play in, play out basis in a practice. But when you took him off, you could definitely feel it. So I think those two guys really stabilize it. That's important, obviously, because there is some uncertainty at center. Do we want to go down to some of these hypothetical paths for what could happen, Bill? Like if Matthew Jones needed to kick inside, if Tegra Shabola became an option at guard, like there's a couple different scenarios that could come into play. They may not, but they could. That is, I think, like I guess to to get into something we'll probably talk about is it is it next week or the week after? Whenever we're talking to the assistant coaches and we do our show about the questions we have for those people, I think my major question is to Justin Fry, and it's is there any chance at all that Matthew Jones plays center this year? Because mm-hmm. it's odd to me that he never has. Like, not even I don't I don't believe he's taken a single snap at center. Um, and it's fine because he's a good guard. Like I, I understand that you don't want to take him out of a spot that he's good at, but to be the number one center in his recruiting class and then come to Ohio State and be here as long as he has and then never play the position, not even like in an emergency role or like a backup role, just to get some experience is very strange to me. And I'm kind of curious as to why that's the case. And, and maybe the answer is like he was projected as a center in high school and when he got here, he just wasn't comfortable snapping. And maybe that's the end of the conversation. But um, I... I think my five best offensive linemen in my head at the moment would have Matthew Jones at center and Tigger Shabola at guard. Now that they have Josh Simmons to come, Simmons, excuse me, to come play tackle um, on the right side instead of Tegra. So I'm not saying that's on the table. That's just like a, it's in my own head and like a thing that I think. I'm not saying Justin Fry thinks that way at all. If if he did, maybe we'd have more of an indication uh, to this point. But they have the option at least. I think maybe that's the. The good thing about adding what they added via the portal is that they can play around with some stuff, I think, from now until the start of the season. And I don't 
I don't know if I felt like they had that option prior to making that addition. Does Toby Wilson have the most snaps of on the current roster? At, At center? center? Yeah. yeah. Off the top of my head, probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about what happens if something with Carson Hinsman, something doesn't go right with him, or Jacob James can't get back healthy if Vic Burley's not ready to go. Like that is the guy who's actually played the most snaps at center, probably. So uh, there are other things that you have to consider. And, and certainly Matthew Jones moving into center in the event that something was needed it has to be considered, you, you'd think, because whether it was Tegra Shibola at guard or whether it's Enoch Vamahi at guard, you have experience that can play there much more readily and easily than you do at center, uh, in my opinion. Did you I'm say Vic Burley? Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, Vic Cutler. Vic, Vic Burley is a former defensive yeah. line recruit from Georgia who signed with Clemson last year, and so I just got it. Uh, you have too many names going around your brain at any moment, Berm. Sorry you know too that. much. Forgot about Victor. Burley I would I would like to person. set the record straight. Um, not only on Vic Cutler's last name, but also uh, Toby Wilson has played fifty nine snaps at center, and Jacob James has it appears he has played eighty one, according okay. to Pro Football Focus. But even that it's that close, I think, is is still helps you make your point. I don't really remember those eighty one snaps for Jacob James. If I'm being honest, he'll um, break them down them. one by one. Seventy nine <laughs> of them last year. Um, 23 against Toledo and double digits also against Rutgers and Michigan State. Huh, those must be when I'm writing early snap judgments and <laughs> yeah. blowout. Yeah, I need to pay better attention to those reserve reps, I guess. Uh, I want to go back to what you were talking about, Bill, with Matthew Jones. And I think I expected, given the battle and what we saw as Carson Hensman was ahead of Vic Cutler by the end, at least from what we could tell, uh, although there were a few days late where they were rotating more with the ones than they had previously as Vic Cutler got more comfortable. I would have thought that we'd have seen some days where Matthew Jones at least got some work at center. And the fact that that didn't happen makes me think that this hypothetical situation we've kicked around, which I think is a good one, potentially a smart one, potentially a great fix to get a five best. Like He's been on in this program for a long time, so I'm not saying that he absolutely had to have them in spring. But I thought there might have been a day or two where we saw that, and we didn't. Mm-hmm which makes me think that Justin Fry and Ryan Day are comfortable with the those two that were there, plus adding in Jacob James this summer. That's probably plus right. Josh, plus Josh Padilla took a lot of the snaps at center in the spring game. So you have the true freshman there, and then you have the true freshman with Austin Saraveld, who can you know play either side of the guard position. You have Luke Montgomery, who could move inside if you need to. Like there, there are a lot of bodies, but the conversation that we've always had or always heard from the coaches is how do you get the best five? And I, mm-hmm. if you look at it, it is somewhat perplexing that the best five don't include Matthew Jones at center based on what we know else at guard. Yeah. I mean, it could, it could include Carson Hinsman. Like I thought there was some okay stuff from him in, in the spring. Um, I wonder like if he's strong enough just yet to, to actually start in the big 10 and, and play the, the entirety of a season. Um, Jacob James is probably a little farther along in, in that regard. But it's also hard to like. It's hard to know what really he brings to the table too, just because he hasn't he hasn't played a ton. He has those snaps that I mentioned, but I don't know what you can make of of stuff in in garbage time. And it's really unfortunate that he didn't have the spring this year. So I I'm a, inclined to agree with Austin. I think that if and when I do ask Justin Fry that question or someone else asks Justin Fry that question, um, his answer will be that no, we're not considering it, and we we like the three that we have at center. But um, I mean, I it's it's my opinion that they all options should be on the table when you're trying to find the best five. But maybe. 
maybe something has happened over the course of these six years now that Matthew Jones has been in the program that they feel like they know whether or not that is an option for them and they don't believe that it is. It's yeah. probably somewhat similar discussion to not seeing Donovan Jackson at left tackle. I mean, you have there are these possibilities, but it may not always be. We don't get to see everything, and so we don't mm-hmm. know all of the, the deets. But the reason that question is valid and worth asking at this point, even a month after spring ball, is that it could be that the answer from Justin Fry is that Matthew Jones has been in the program long enough and taken enough backup reps at center that he didn't need to do that in spring. He's been here six years. Uh, he had that background coming out of high school or the reputation as a recruit that he could be the best center in the country that predated both Harry Miller and Luke Whippler. And probably uh, that's kind of wild, but they may mm-hmm. think that it was better to give those spring reps to the younger guys because Matthew Jones is a known quantity. So it, it could still be on the table without them having devoted any time to seeing, well, maybe that best five right now in spring. Let's see what this one looks like. I'm trying to remember. Um, so like before games, they'll line up with all the, all the quarterbacks, like get a center basically uh, during warmups to practice shotgun snaps and, and under center snaps. Does Matthew Jones ever do that stuff? I can't remember. I I've believe seen him he, out there with the centers. Yeah, okay. I believe he usually does. I think he's third or fourth generally. Uh, don't don't nail me to that, but I believe he normally participates in that because you have to have one for every quarterback. Right. So, and I guess we've. We, I don't think we've really had the conversation with Matt about that, sort of like about his career trajectory and if he ever envisioned this for himself or if he thought one day he would be a center, he doesn't talk a whole lot. So I, maybe it'd be hard to get that out of him, even, even if we did, but um, it's just, it's on the table. I don't, the percentage chance of it happening, I think is fairly low and pr- maybe close to zero, probably close to zero, but I think it's at least something to have in the back of your mind as they try to figure out these pieces. Um, but I also, I understand too, wanting to give a kid like Carson Hinsman some more runway to try to grab that job or let Jacob James like back into the fight and, and really try to go after a starting job now in his fourth year. So, um, that's why I'm inclined to believe that, that it won't happen. But even like the fact that they have, I don't know, I don't want to say three viable options at center, but three and a half, op- like decent options, I think at center and the two returning starting guards, um, I don't know why I, I I didn't see it this way throughout spring, but like I guess with the benefit of being removed from it a little bit and maybe the attention on it not being so heightened, I actually feel pretty good about where the interior of the offensive line is at, at the moment. Yeah, I think you should. I think it's a matter of being a perspective and realizing that you still were going into this year expecting Luke Whipler to be the center, and so it would be a it would go from being a position where you feel pretty good to being one of the strengths of the team. If you have the guy that you thought was going to be there and Luke obviously made the decision he made and, and good for him. He's going to be playing in the NFL, but the, the conversation changed entirely when Whipler made that decision. And so now you get put into a position where you do have these three potentially good options, but you don't know if they're good options because they haven't really been forced to play real time at that spot. But all available evidence suggests that Ohio state and Justin Fry believe that Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson at guard is the, best is a part of the best five so you just have to figure out how the rest of the chips fall i guess what's the future look like as you two see it uh justin fry taking more control obviously there of recruiting as he gets more comfortable got a a handful of young options that burn mentioned already that got to go through spring camp what's you're gonna have to if donovan jackson has the season that we project could be gone matthew jones will be out of eligibility uh 
there's no rule more change well yeah that's eligibility is a myth but likely going to have to replace both of those guards and then there's there's work obviously being done nonstop on the recruiting trail yeah but you also have to expect that whichever guy isn't the starter between jacob james and and carson hinsman will not be on the roster next year like there's all these other parts that you have to think about now that you never really had to before um, certainly I think that's why you saw Josh Padilla get so many reps at center in the spring, not just because Jacob James wasn't available, but you have to get these young guys out there and getting comfortable. Austin Saravelt is doing a good job. Enoch Vamahi will probably be off the roster next year. So like you have a complete overhaul on the interior line and, and then you have to hope that next year you don't get put in a position where you're replacing both your Josh's at tackle, if that's the case. So there, there certainly is a case to be made. I think for Tegra Shibola as as being an entrenched guy in the interior line so that you have some answer for next year. But other than that, I mean, it, the entire line feels like it's, it turns over. I, it certainly could like it lines up that, that it could, I, I would be pretty surprised if it did. Um, even like Donovan Jackson, I'm not, unless he goes out and just like, just destroys people over the course of the, over the course of the entire season. I'm I'm not quite there with him on he's jumping to the NFL after this year. And if he doesn't, like they're set up pretty well if he does not, because that gives all those young guys an extra year to develop. Like Justin Fry gets a little more time to to restock the room. And obviously you'd have a really good third year starter coming back at, at guard and only have to replace one of your interior linemen. Um but let's say like for the sake of argument that, that Donovan Jackson does does leave. Um they're in a little bit of a bind, I think. I think if that happens, then you could be talking about transfer portal options again next fall. Um, I think the guy that's really interesting in that conversation is Luke Montgomery. Um, I, as Berm mentioned, and, and I sort of became enamored with, like maybe he's a center down the road. I, I think he has what it takes to play tackle. But if both of your tackles come back and you want to get Luke on the field early, I can certainly see a path where he maybe starts his career at guard and then eventually kicks out when the time comes. Yeah, he's a player that has the ability to play all five spots, and like that's what he's going to be trained for as he gets ready for the NFL in three or four years. So any opportunity to get him on the field, I think you have to take. And then you look at the current recruiting class. They have four guys committed. One of them is the number one ranked tackle in the country, and Ian Moore. Um, Deontay Armstrong is a is a tackle likely, but then you have Mark Nave and Devontae Armstrong, who are both interior guys, both going to need a couple years of seasoning and development for their able to be counted on, I think. So what they do to finish out the class of 2024, and they're, they're looking to add one more tackle, one more guard in this group, those two guys have to be really big fish or or the conversation that we've had all for the last year it continues into next, next summer. Well, the offensive line conversation will continue into Thursday on the podcast daily as we continue and we kick it out to those big guys where really we've talked about them a lot, but the picture's changed a little bit with Josh Simmons joining the mix, so we'll come back and let Bill and Berm dive into the present of the 2023 season and beyond with the future. And also, as that series rolls along at ohiostate.rivals.com, the Bill's working on it's great stuff. Uh, if you haven't been able to see it, use code DTE30 and get a free month on us as the offseason continues to plow forward. For Bill and Berm, I am Austin. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast daily. Have a great hump day.